Welcome to Transformation Simulation, the podcast about agile transformations and personal transformations. Here are your hosts, fraternal agile twins, only separated by four months, 100 pounds, meat consumption, and different parents, Alicia Yannick and Nathan Chawilawu Ashe. So we're on episode five. We're just moving right along in this season. This episode's short, but I think it's really fun because this is where the team, the rubber starts meeting the road. The team's learning more about what is it that we said we're going to do and how is it that we're going to be able to accomplish it? Meaning this thing that we're going to do is called Scrum. And how is it that we're going to be able to accomplish it? What does this really mean for us? So the team as a whole now starts digging in. And I think they follow a little bit of a learning curriculum, which we should definitely talk about later. Should we give it a listen? Let's listen in. I keep saying, should we give it a listen? We, it's not even a should we. It's not a question. Nathan, let's give it a listen. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. like, why am I asking? That's exactly what we're going to do. One month later, after gaining support from their management, the team kept busy learning about the agile mindset and how to use Scrum. Story. It's been a long and busy four weeks. How's everyone feeling? It's been like drinking from a two fire hoses. Like a month-long cramming session for a final exam. When is the test? Think we'll pass? I think so. I'm ready to actually do some scrum or agile, whatever we call it. What do we actually call it? We call what we are doing scrum. Scrum is a framework that is used in agile. Agile is primarily a mindset. The framework is a set of events, roles, and artifacts that help in maintaining the Agile mindset. I'm sure that was in the training. It was. But don't stress out about not knowing the details. Next week, we start working in sprints. Working in sprints will help it all make sense and be real. But before we go too far in, let me ask, how is everyone feeling about what we learned? It all makes sense, theoretically. Based on what we learned, I believe we can keep our commitment. It was all just so much. Yeah, a lot of learning without doing. As QA said, I'm ready to do some scrum. Well, let's take a look at what we learned and see if there are any ambiguities we need to address. He's just good at telling people what to do, huh? Scrum Master begins walking the team through their list of learning material. super short especially compared to episode four yeah that was this is a lightweight episode but it's meaty in meaning and purpose uh-huh. it packs punch yep so the team took about a month if if uh we listened correctly to that episode they took about four weeks about a month to actually do some learning about scrum mm-hmm. that is a good deal of time in a world full of rainbows and unicorns, that's a perfect amount of time. That is. Yeah. We don't we don't typically operate in a world full of rainbows and unicorns. And so I think what I've seen, if time is allocated, it's two weeks. So it's roughly the equivalent of a sprint. A lot of times teams have to learn and do at the same time. Yeah. But if a team can take a sprint's worth of time 
to do some learning, to educate themselves, and then more importantly, to come together and talk about it. That team's going to be probably have the likelihood to be, let me caveat that one more time. It's possible (laughs) that that team will become a a higher performing team because one, they're taking the time to get educated. Education is good when you're doing something new. Um, And yes, I understand people learn from doing, but if you understand the basics, then you can do the basics a little bit better. I'm not saying try and figure out what the next year of your life is going to look like. I'm saying learn about what it is you're doing. Learn it. Learn about how it is you're going to go tackle your work. And but perhaps one of the most important things is talk as a team about what you learn. Talk as a team about what you're going to try first. Talk as a team about what doesn't make sense. Because otherwise, everyone's kind of going off in their own way, and it's really hard to become cohesive. Right, right. The other thing is, you know, talk as a, uh, as a team about why you are learning what you're learning. Oh, that's uh, a good one. Way to be yeah. smart today, Nathan. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm trying to keep up with you. Is that um, right? Well, you know what? You can try, brother. <laughs> you, can, you can just try and try. I'm going to keep what does Yoda say? There is no try, do or don't do. <laughs> this is episode five by episode 10. Hopefully I'll catch up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, a lot of times teams start this learning and they don't know why they're actually mm-hmm. learning. They don't know the true purpose of it. You know, the, the scrum master does some good stuff in this episode by, you know, helping the team stay focused and saying, you know, don't worry too much about the details. They have a high level list of the things that they're learning, but it's important for those teams to have that discussion of why they are learning what they're learning. What do you think about the fact that the team got ants in their pants to, to start doing work during the learning period? Yeah, that's tough for teams that are used to, especially this team's been together for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. They've been doing for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. It is hard to get out of the mode of doing to go to learning. It does just, it feels funny sometimes. Well, and they have a deadline, right? Right. So they've they've got whatever was published. I can't remember what the deadline was, but they got some that was published out on the wires. So right. they, they've got that looming over their heads as well. I find sometimes in a learning period, again, when the teams have a, the benefit of a structured learning period, if you can identify what you want, what your objectives are for that learning period, what your goals are, what, what you hope to gain from it, and then how you're going to apply whatever those goals are to your future life, that can make it a little easier to sit in the learning period without kind of having ants in your pants as a yep. team about getting going. I've also seen during a learning period, though, where uh, some people will do side work, quote unquote, for folks who came up to them from the company and said, would you do X, Y, Z for me? And I think we see a little bit of that to come actually in a future episode. I didn't even tie those two things together until it came out of my mouth. Um, (laughs) So there's so Nathan, we're both coaches. We've done workshops together. We've done Mm -hmm. workshops separately. We've we've trained, quote unquote, up teams. And I would like to offer for anyone out there the best learning doesn't come from sitting in a workshop with even the best coaches or the best trainers. So I can give you the best workshop material. I can tell you stories. It can be interactive. We can do simulations and games that represent real world. But when the teams 
seek out information. And maybe this goes back to understanding why you're learning what you're learning, Nathan. Mm -hmm. When you understand why you're learning what you're learning and the teams go and seek it out and they take ownership and accountability of one, finding the information and two, interacting with the information, digesting, ingesting the information and then having that conversation about it. Those teams definitely have an easier go of a transformation. Definitely. All the way around. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. The workshop materials, you know, they can be as pretty as you said, they can be as pretty and designed as effectively as possible. But um, those teams that go out and find a way to work that have this desire, this energy to work in this new way, if they're present, if they're open, if they're willing to change, that's where the real transformation takes place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because that's the start of it, right? That's the start of the ownership of the transformation. I know when I first started coaching um, or leading transformations, let's just say leading transformations, I really felt like it was incumbent upon me to make it all work. And I don't think that's uncommon. And yet then uh, six months down the road, people, there's the team still looking at me in those cases to say, well, what do we do now? Or how do we grow from here? Or what do we do from here? And I realized that I kind of let the teams down by not nudging them mm -hmm. or encouraging them or shaping them to want to take over more of the ownership of the transformation. It, and now I, this is the example I give them now. It's kind of like when you hire someone at the a coach at the gym, maybe to get you in better shape. Yeah. And that coach will put together a program for me, for example, but the coach can't do the squats for me. Right. I got to do the squats. So I realize I need to be more like that coach at the gym where if I go into the, and say, well, you, you know, muscle groups, I don't know muscle groups, right? I just know I want to be stronger or fit into my pants better or whatever the case may be. Can you guide me by giving me something to follow and encouraging, encouraging me can be a cheerleader for me when I just do not want to go from rep 10 to rep 15, help me to keep going when I've hit that wall and I don't feel like working out three times a week anymore. Hold me accountable for that. Cause I'm giving you permission to, but I got to be there. I got to show up. I got to do the work and, and I've got to figure out, is this working for me and be able yeah. to articulate how it might need to change. And that's true of how our relationships as coaches really should be with teams. So right. for teams that have coaches, check your relationship with your coach. How's that going? Exactly. And for teams that don't have coaches, you got to be your own coaches and your own cheerleaders. Yeah. It's very similar to the responsibility of the scrum master for the team. Mm -hmm. The Scrum Master lays out a framework of how the team should communicate and meet and kind of outlines at a high level how this team collectively could be successful. But each individual on that team has to do their part in making the team successful. Everybody has to do their own work. Like you said, they have to do their own squats or their mm -hmm. own crunches. But the Scrum Master is there. Well, I do. I do. I, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'll do some for you, but I'll keep the apps my, for myself. Right. right. Like that's going to do me a hell of a lot of good, <laughs> but sure. Thanks, Nathan. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. No, but really the scrum master has to, you know, she lays the, this foundation or sets the framework and identifies how the team can be successful. The team, all those individual members of the team have to do their part. She can't do it for them. They have to do their part. They have to do their own squats and crunches. Right. And, this, and, and and the scrum master has to do some squats and crunches right alongside too, because the scrum master is part of the team and learning and growing with the team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the scrum master, as we've, um, as 
she's been written in in our season here she does really good work in helping everyone be able to do their own squats and crunches and she does her own too she says a really good stage in this episode she really helps the team kind of pull back from that anxiousness about wanting to do work there's a line in in um in this episode where she says you know don't stress about knowing the details next week we start working Mm-hmm. You'll learn a lot more. That goes back to what you were saying about being having the experience, learning by mm-hmm. experience that you talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So um, having a really good scrum master is really key to getting traction for your transformation. But you see also the scrum master doesn't own the transformation. Exactly. Yeah. Right. She's a good scrum master. I think she's going to join us in an episode or two. She is. Um, yeah. So let's talk about a learning list, Nathan. We talked about how this team took ownership of learning. And I know I have some consistent references or research tools that I direct teams to go back to and that I go back to myself. I think we can make those available on our website. Yes. Yep. What I think, though, is that it's key that the team has a learning list. And ideally, that in the beginning of their the time that is set aside to learn, that everyone contributes to that learning list and that everyone is committed to reading through or listening to whatever is on that agreed upon learning list. And it doesn't have to be huge, but it should be significant enough to give us as a team a good baseline for understanding what it is that we're we're about to set about doing. That's a lot of abouts. Yeah. Well, we should, we should also say that, you know, the list that we put together is really focused on, you DIYers who are kind of bootstrapping right. your own. Uh, I don't even know if you would call it a transformation. If you're just trying to learn about Scrum, if you're starting to work in Scrum, want right. to know a little bit about Agile. Um, but we have this or list. Or want to get better at it, right? right? Some groups get started and it's e- pretty easy to get off the rails. How many times have we been hired to go in and fix uh, an Agile adoption? Right. It got off course. Exactly. You want to jump into the lists and uh, talk through a little bit of it or? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. Do you use uh, the first thing in our list is it's a video about riding a backwards bicycle. Do you use the uh, backwards bicycle, Alicia? Yes, I do. In fact, do. I yeah. just sent it to uh, a client I'm working with right now. They're brand baby new to Agile. And I said they uh, they one of the core team members really, really likes to learn. Mm-hmm. And another one's learning this overly complex stuff. And I said, well, let's, let's start, let's, let's rein that in just a smidge and let's start with something simple. And I said, really, this backwards bicycle video is going to be someplace that you'll ground yourself in because it, it talks about doing things differently and kind of turning your brain around. And then uh, also what it takes when you try and go back and do it the way you used to do it, which yeah. we're going to encourage people not to do, but it feels uncomfortable and it should feel uncomfortable. And by the way, in that case, being uncomfortable means stop doing it that way. But um, I really like the backwards bicycle is kind of new to me. I came across it about two years ago and I have found that it is what, eight minutes. It's an eight minute investment. And if you let it really sink in, um, it is a perfect example of what you're going to go through when you either go through a transformation or an adoption of agile methodologies. Yep, definitely. Yeah. I use it too, for all the same reasons that, that you mentioned. Yeah. 
Now that the, we have a greatness video, um, I think it's geared more toward leadership, right? Do you right. use that one a lot? I use that one a lot. Um, I use that one that is geared more towards leadership, but it, I also use it for scrum teams and individuals on scrum teams and um, specifically for teams, because a lot of the teams that are moving to scrum the individuals on those teams haven't had the responsibility of doing their own planning. Uh, helping mm-hmm. with prioritization, um, being present and not being told what to do, providing a perspective to leadership to help them make a decision, and really trying to help those individuals on those teams see themselves as the experts of what they do. Right. So the, right. the, the tough thing that I found, I use this video a lot because, you know, these, these team members sometimes don't realize they are there to be these experts of this thing that they do and they're supposed to use that ability to help the team be better and making that transition from waterfall where they just told what to do when to deliver it and what quality to deliver it under to mm-hmm. having to be this expert and um, have inputs into actually how they work and all these things. That is a big thing. The greatness video helps with that a lot. I and that's a David Marquette video, right? Right. Yeah. David Marquette. Do you use the greatness video? Yes. Yes. Okay. I do. Uh, I paused, I guess, before I said yes. I do. I find that teams like it, leadership struggles with it. I find the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Leaders. Uh, I still think it's really valuable. I, I just think that it's who it resonates with and why is kind of different. Yeah. For me as a coach, I just went, oh, this is awesome. And, and I've shown, I've definitely talked leaders through it and still had it not really changed course for them, but teams glom onto it. And there's, there's a little something in there, right? There's right. That, that's, that's significant, that little piece right there. Mm-hmm. And then of course, I always point people to the agile manifesto, the scrum guide, which I think was just revised last year after what, 20 years. It's yep. only 13 pages now. Th- those two things I point to all the time. Those two things I point to for myself all the time as well. I do too. We also have some resources that we have created that we think would be valuable for you do-it-yourselfers who are bootstrapping your your Scrum learning. Um, we actually have some Scrum onboarding training for you. It's um, Alicia and I put together a course. You can find it uh, on Udemy and many other platforms. You can go to our website, transformationsimulation.com. And if you want a professional Scrum onboarding course, that's not going to cost you thousands of dollars per individual to take it, you can go and take our training. It's the same training that we've been giving for years that we give in any professional setting. Of course, we created all the content ourselves, but it's the, we cover the same topics um, in the same ways. So you're welcome to take it there. We also have some collaboration training. I have a collaboration course I've created just for teams to help them identify better ways of working together. So you have this podcast that could be a resource to you. There's a learning list, Backward Bicycle, Greatness, Agile Manifesto, the Scrum Guide. I want to hit on collaboration and then I know we're going to move into episode six. The thing that I learned about collaboration and I'm, I like that you hit on as well, and we lived this. So it, it's kind of special for me because this was part of how we started working together. Collaboration isn't about 
me presenting the smartest idea and you saying, Alicia, that's the smartest idea or vice versa, right? Real collaboration is about we're solving, we're setting about together to solve the same problem. And you bring something to the table and I bring something to the table. And out of that, we create something collaborative. And so it's bits and pieces of you and bits and pieces of me that comes together. And this is how we started working together was on, was straight up figuring out how to collaborate. And when it works well, it's so much fun. Yeah. And I, I really appreciated that it wasn't. So what would happen, Nathan, is we were going out to solve a problem. You would go think about it. I would go think about it. And we had a third person who joined us, Miss Thelma. And Thelma would go think about it. And then the three of us would bring our ideas together, kind of talk about them and share them with one another and say, now what do we want to do, given what we brought to the table? And there were times where I just said, well, I think what I brought to the table is crap. Let's just take what you and Thelma have and blend it or wordsmith it. And probably that happened more often than anything. But um and then we get ourselves to a place where in a short period of time, we had what we thought was the best solution. Yeah. And I think that in the absence of collaboration, we don't solve problems very well. So yeah, I true. think that collaboration piece, I mean, not that I'm trying to drive people to your particular course, but learning what real collaboration is, is, is significant for teams to perform well. Yeah. Collaboration is hard. Real collaboration is hard as you identified. And people have different opinions of what collaboration is. And it is, I'm just co-signing on what you said. It is what you said it is. Let me tell you a real funny story. It wasn't funny when it happened to me. And maybe my response wasn't funny, but let me tell you what happened. So I was, um, you know, I play music Mm -hmm. and I was trying to find a collaboration partner. So silly me, I go out to Craigslist and Facebook and I post this request to, see if anyone wants to collaborate to create music. Well, this one guy responds and my whole, the meeting, the, the message I posted was about collaboration, joint creation, you know, starting somewhere and ending up somewhere else, working together and all this stuff. And uh, I end up meeting with this, this gentleman to talk about collaboration. It seems like we're having a great conversation. We decide to collaborate together. So the first thing that he does after we make this decision to collaborate is he sends me a file of a recording he recorded with his group he jams with and wants me to lay down a bass track for him over this. And I was like, well, this isn't really collaborating. Mm-hmm. And I kind of explained that to him. He says, well, yeah, but you know, this is you, you would be collaborating with us even though you weren't there. And so, you know, we go back and forth for a little bit. And then I'm going to admit this publicly. I just kind of turned into a little jack-o'-lantern. And what I did is I took his file and I laid down the most terrible baseline I could think of. (laughs) And I sent it back to him. (laughs) I said, how does this work? (laughs) And the only thing he said is, well, you know, I was thinking something that might have been a little more Bootsy Collins. And he never contacted me again. No kidding. <laughs> so so what you just gave us was an anecdote of how not to behave. Both, do sides, not both do, sides of the table. <laughs> yeah. Do not do what I did. Right. <laughs> we might edit that whole thing out. I don't like, know. Uh, we might keep it in. Well, 
you know. But, but I think that's what happens when, let's keep it in and here's why. That is kind of what happens when you don't have good collaboration. Right. Is people don't feel valued. They don't feel like their input is valued. And so they just get it done, mark it off the list is done and move on. Right, right. I'm glad I could be the poster child for this episode of Thank you, uh, Nathan. anti-collaboration. Anti this is what anti-collaboration looks like <laughs> all the way around. But you, you are right, though, even in the workplace where a leader comes in and presents collaboration, but that leader is really just telling people what to do. Mm -hmm. You get these behaviors where people mm -hmm. just kind of they jack it up to an extent mm -hmm. or they only work to the level where they're saying, well, I'm going to do this. I don't know what else to do here. I'll just throw this their way and see how they respond to it. Well, it's, I completed it. Yeah. So it's good enough because it's done. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is what a lack of collaboration actually creates. And we could probably have a whole podcast about how that affects a company, yeah. but we'll just maybe stop here and get ready for episode six. <laughs> Let's do it. All the music in our podcast is created by Gilpin Hill. That dude, now that dude is great. He can play some music. I'm telling you that. Mm -hmm. Chris Tolino, also known as Sweet Tony, also known as One Take Tony, is the voice actor on our podcast introduction this season. Chris also played the role of Manager One throughout the season. And Chris, we thank you for both. Special thanks to our friends Bay Hall, Lauren Harrison, Eric Harrison, Arnold Panjanaban, John Amaranjan, Margie Morse, Ryan Babbage, and Shrikanth Reddy, who were all script actors for the episodes in this season. If you are looking for exceptional Agile coaches, look no further than this collection of great people. You can find this podcast anywhere podcasts are available. We are Alicia, Yannick, and Nathan Chawilawuashe, the Agile Twins. If you have questions, comments, or ideas, you can connect with us at transformationsimulation.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>